And all God's people say it. How many of y'all are glad that we have a God who knows everything? He knows what's going on. He knows our issues. He knows the problems we have in our country. And he's well able to do something about it. Amen? Now, now I, I need some of y'all loosen up and limber up because you look like you still got sleep and boogers in your eyes. Amen? You didn't go get a coffee. You forgot your Red Bull this morning. All right? So let's, let's, let's get the blood flowing and get, get all. You ready? We're going to count to three, and I want you to give God praise, honor, and glory that he deserves. All right? One, two, three. Give him praise. Yes. He's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. All right. You can be seated. You can be seated. Rhonda, it ain't just a few months you go from the front row to the back row. Lord have mercy. All right. And all God's people say it. Most of you know, most of you know, uh, we have been in our missions month. Our missions month. Uh, it has been an unusual missions month, but it just goes with 2020. Amen. Uh, if you're here for the very first time, I want you to know uh, uh, we are very mission minded at Temple Baptist Church. We believe the Bible when it says, take the gospel to every creature. Amen. Go ye into all the world, teach all nations, all nations, amen? Make disciples of all nations, and we believe that, and we put our money where our mouth is, so every year uh, uh, we take a, up a one-time big offering to go to a certain country, to go to a certain project. Uh, we have, we have uh, started churches in Nigeria. We have started churches in northern Vietnam. We have started churches in uh, Nepal, uh, in India, all over the globe, you have been responsible for your generosity to start and plant churches all over the world. Can we give God praise and glory for that? Amen. <clears throat> but as you know, if you've been coming the last few weeks, as you know, uh, this year we changed our target. Usually it's always overseas. It's always out. Uh, but how many of y'all know our, our, our country's in trouble? Our country's in trouble, and I'm afraid, I'm afraid it's in worse trouble than a lot of us truly believe. And so this year, we decided to target our own nation. We decided to target the homeland, amen, and reach our country. We said the light that shines the farthest should shine the brightest at home. But how many of y'all would agree with me that the light is getting dimmer and dimmer? Listen, it's not going to be long that there are going to be other countries sending missionaries to us. And so, so we made a choice and a decision to target our country. We started a series this month on one nation under attack. We, we all know the phrase, one nation under God. That is being attacked in an incredible way. And I'm not going to rehash everything we have seen and we have uh, discovered all month. If you, would, if you missed this month, go back and watch the services and, and you'll see how far our country has come from where it began. Our nation was one nation under God. Our nation was a nation that was in God we trust. But listen, we can't say that anymore. Our nation is in trouble. And we have decided to target our nation, and that's what you see in, the, in the, 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 the chairs beside you. You'll see a brochure and an envelope there uh, to give toward this project this year. And this is what I want to do for just a couple moments before I preach. I want to just kind of share with you the plan. 
Now, how many of you know that uh, a dream, or excuse me, a goal without a plan is just a dream? I hear people all the time, and I see them posting it on, on, uh, on the internet all the time. We need a revival. We need a revival. We need a revival. We need to change America. We need to do this. We need to do that. But nobody says how we're going to do it. Well, guess what? We got a plan. We've got a plan. We're going to put our money where our mouth is. We've not, we've not just going to think about a plan. We're already implementing the plan right here. Now, here's something I want you to, good to see you. Good to see you. How's your knee? Everything good? All right. Well, you shouldn't kick him so much. You wouldn't have that problem. We're, are you glad to finally be back in church? Amen. Amen. All right. Sorry, I got that squirrel moment. Amen. We just, uh, here's the deal. And I want you to say this. I want you to say this because, because uh, I hear this all the time. Well, all we can do, if we want to change America, if we want to change. All right, let me, let me do a survey. How many of y'all want to change America? Right? We want to do that. Now, how many of y'all have heard this? Well, all we can do is vote. How many of y'all have heard that? All we can do is vote. Well, I'm glad we can do that, right? I'm glad people died so we could have the freedom and the ability to vote. But I'm here to tell you, and I'm here to inform you, there's something more you can do than just vote. All right? Now say this to your neighbor. I can do more than vote. Come on, tell them again. They didn't believe you. I can do more than vote. I can do more than vote. Well, how can we change America with, with more than voting? What else is there? Man, I'm glad you asked. Do you know how we're going to change America? It's not with politics. Washington, D.C. is not going to change America. Listen, Washington was corrupt before this month, and it'll be corrupt after this month. It's not going to be by politicians. Let me tell you how we're going to change America. This is, this is a novel thought. I'm probably, you've never heard about this. But do you know how to change America? It's by changing Americans. By changing Americans. The only way to change America is by changing Americans. Listen, can you imagine having cities full of disciples that are following Jesus? Imagine in your mind if New York City was slammed full of people who are forgiving one another. Imagine if Portland was full of people who were loving one another and caring for one another, forgiving one another, sacrificing for the benefit of one another, people being just like Jesus and leading others to do the same. Can you imagine what that city would be like? It's not going to be by politics. It's going to be by changing Americans. It's going to be by disciples making disciples. Listen, I'm telling y'all, and y'all have heard me say this over and over, and you're going to hear it again. America is not in the shape it's in because of the drunks or the drug addicts or the prostitutes or the transvestites or all these things that many so-called Christians think that's the problem. No, 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 no. America is in the shape it's in is because Christians have dropped the ball. What is a rhino? Come on, y'all follow politics. Say it again. In name only. Do y'all know we have Christians in name only? You ask anybody in the South, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah. 
They don't even have a Bible. Don't even go to church. Couldn't quote one single verse in the Bible. Couldn't even tell you how to be saved. But because they're born in the South and their grandfather was a Baptist, they claim to be a Christian. The reason our nation is in the shape it's in is because we have too many Christians in name only. We don't have disciples of the Lord Jesus. What is a disciple? One who follows Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to do what he... Come on. To do what he... Now, I know we don't want to hear this stuff. I know we don't want to... We don't want to take accountability for what's going on, but we have to. We have to. It's time for the church to stand up and be the church that God has called it to be. And all God's people say it. Listen, we have a plan. What's the plan? We want to change Americans. We want to change Americans. How do we change Americans? By developing disciples. We want to create a movement of disciple makers across all of America. We want to create a movement. It's not about a ministry. We're not starting a ministry. We're starting a, come on everybody, we're starting a movement. What does that mean? It's something that takes a life of its own. It's disciples making disciples that make disciples that make disciples that will make other disciples. Church, say amen. It's not about addition. It's about multiplication. All right. Now, what do we do? We train people. We train people. Now, I want to show you a couple pictures. I want to show. And by the way, by the way, you remember where I said that that we always put our money where our. And we never ask other people to do what we're not willing to do. I I, one of the one of the greatest things that I learned from my father, pastor. One of the greatest things I learned is never ask somebody to climb a ladder you hadn't already been up. Did y'all hear what I just said? Never ask somebody to climb a ladder that you hadn't already been up. In other words, don't ask somebody to do something you're not willing to do. And all God's people say it. So we're not going to ask other churches to get involved. We're not going to ask other pastors to get involved and do something we're not willing to do. And by the way, that we're not, we haven't already climbed the ladder. All right? The movement has already begun. Let me say that again. The movement has already begun. We've begun it right here. Say amen. amen. You're on the ground floor of a movement that's going to sweep this nation. We're going to change America by changing Americans. How are we going to change Americans? By making disciples that make disciples. Now look here. I want you to see. Say it with me. Say it again. Say it again. Now watch this. Look at the next one. Handsome fellow right there. How many of y'all have seen this sign? Come on, sing this sign. It's right in front of the next picture, right in front of the next picture. That's our D&D training center. I know that looks like an ordinary house, but there's extraordinary things going on inside that ordinary house. There are people that are committing, they're being trained, they're being discipled to go and make disciples. This is the first training center. This is the first D&D house training center in America. Did you say that this is the, if I'm telling you this is the first, what does that mean? There's going to be more. 
There's going to be a house in Atlanta. There's going to be a house in Portland. There's going to be a house in New York. There's going to be a house in Florida. Are y'all with me? Are y'all feeling what I'm feeling? This is just the beginning. It's going to spread. It's going to take on. Listen, we're going to train disciples that make disciples. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now listen, do I have another one there? Just hold on to the next one. Just hold on to the next one. Uh, uh, Here's what I want you to see, okay? It's already happening. It's already happening. We're not hoping something will happen. It's already happening. We started about a year ago with this ministry. We were introduced to this ministry and, and, and we have taken it on and we are going and I mean wide open with it as hard as we can go. And, and COVID hit, COVID hit. And, and the devil thought he was slick. But greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. And I want to say this too. I want to say this too. And, and I'm not rambling. I promise you I'm not rambling. I just want you to understand something. In all of the projects we have taken on, and all of the projects we have taken on, Nigeria, Nigeria is a horrible place. It's a demonic place. If you can only imagine how many Christians are being killed for their faith in Nigeria, it's incredible. Nepal is the same way. Uh, North Vietnam is the same way. People are actually being shot because they will not deny Christ. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But in all of those seasons and all of those projects we've taken on all down through the years, until we have decided to target America and change America, not one single time. Now, please take me. You know you've seen this. Not one single time has, have I been attacked personally and physically like I've been attacked personally and physically when we've taken on America. When we started this, most of y'all know we had to postpone the first one because I got COVID. Then I, I had... A wild case of poison ivy. Then, then listen. It goes from that to back spasms. It seemed like every week there was something else. Uh, Just this past week, I've really, really struggled with my blood pressure. My blood pressure has gone nuts and crazy. It just happens to be this month. I'm telling you, that's not a coincidence. And there's so many other things I cannot. I'm not allowed to tell you that's happened in this particular month, that there's no coincidence that the devil is trying to do everything he can to stop what we're trying to do here. Now, what does that tell you? How bad does the devil want to sink his claws in America? Because if America is not America, missionaries will stop going. Listen, America won't have the influence it has on the rest of the world. America is the devil's greatest target. Help me stop him. Help me today. Make up your mind today that I'm going to do more than just vote. We're going to change America one disciple at a time. And all God's people say it. I want to prove to you it works. I want you to see, I want you to see this picture. The next one. This is Barry. My good friend Barry. My good friend Barry, <clears throat> I asked and I got permission to use his picture and tell his story. Uh, Alan has been inviting Barry to church, church right here, for years. Come go with me. Please come go with me. No, 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 I ain't going. I ain't going. No, I ain't going. Now, if you'll notice, if you'll notice, Barry's hair is a little longer than mine. 
And you see, Barry had this, this preconceived perception of church people. He was afraid that if he came to church, then people would mock him or judge him for his long hair. Now, I know and you know that that would not be the case here. If there was any, any place in Coleman County that a man could go and not worry about being judged as Temple Baptist Church. Somebody asked me if you had to wear a suit to Temple Baptist Church. I said, if you want to wear one, if you don't want to wear one. I said, we got them coming looking like they're going from the White House to the Waffle House. It doesn't matter. <laughs> are y'all with me? Jesus don't care who you are. Jesus don't care who you come from. It's not a fashion show around here. We're just trying to help hurting people. Right. And all God's people say it. Amen. But. He didn't know that. Now, to me, it breaks my heart that he's probably had that happen to him before. Perceptions just don't arise by themselves. What does that tell me? All churches are not the same. All churches are not doing what they should be doing. All churches are not loving people like they should. But regardless of the fact, regardless of the reason, this man was not going to go to church for any reason. And when I say church, I'm talking about the traditional version of church. Then one day, we started DMD. Then we started Bondo Church. Now, if you're new to Temple, you don't know what Bondo Church is. What Bondo Church is, is a church in an auto body shop. You know what they use in an auto body shop? That's right. It it, it really was a a joke, but it kind of held on and became a you know, whatever, uh, come to Bondo Church. We'll patch you up. Amen. <laughs> what did we do? We said, if they're not going to come to us, we're going to go to them. And so we started a micro church in a Bondo shop, an auto body shop. And Alan called and said, hey, Barry, we're, we're having church in my shop. He said, you want to come? He said, I'll be there. After one invite. He comes. Make a long story short, a few weeks later, with tears in his eyes, he believes the gospel and puts his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see what's happening. I asked him, I said, Barry, you mind if I use your picture and tell your story this coming Sunday morning? He said, oh, man, no, go ahead, use it. He says, this is his exact words, I'm in the hands of God, and I can't thank you guys enough. Are y'all with me? What am I saying? I'm saying we're already doing it. I'm saying the movement has already begun. Are y'all with me? I'm saying this works. We're 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 not putting our money into something we hope. May work. No, it works. AJ, you here? Come on up, son. Come on up. Yeah, come on up. I told him I promise you won't have to say nothing. Just stand right beside me. <laughs> I do enough talking for the both of us. All right, all right. Come up here where I can see. I want y'all. I know y'all can't see on camera. I know y'all can't see on camera. But how many of y'all can see these boots on this man? Y'all see these boots? Uh, that's a fine-looking pair of boots. AJ, AJ, and I'm, I said that on purpose. You'll see. Uh, one day, one day, 
uh, I was headed, I was headed to uh, Bondo Church. We do it on Tuesday night at, at the auto body shop. And Alan calls me and says, hey, did, did, did you invite a, a, a new person, a visitor? I said, I said, not this week. I had not that I know. I mean, I've invited a bunch of people, but nobody said they're coming yet uh, that I invited this week. He said, well, we got a new guy. I said, okay, okay. How'd that work? Well, here's the story. To make a long story short, uh, uh, Brother AJ, his wife was met by Miss Cindy. Miss Cindy was out inviting and out witnessing and invited his wife to her micro church. And there's ladies in her micro church. And, and I think, did she go a couple weeks before or was it right away? A uh, couple a couple of weeks before and, and, and liked it so much. And AJ said, well, I want one. <laughs> well, Miss Cindy said, okay, no problem. Uh, we got Bondo Church right down the road. And so I pull up and here's AJ standing outside. Do you know how much courage that took to go to a total strange place to a total group of strangers? Well, anyway, to make a long story short, he had, he had a boot. Was it both feet then or one? One. One. A boot. Uh, what you may not know is AJ has uh, sugar diabetes really bad. And at that time, he had ulcers on his feet. And for a few weeks, it would go from one foot to the other and, 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 and all kind of difficulties. Well, AJ's coming and, 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 and God is working on him and, and touching him. And, and we're praying and AJ gets saved. He trusts Christ as his Savior. I'm thinking the same night Barry did, wasn't it? Wasn't it the same night? Okay. Hey, that's not all. That's not all. At that time, because of his, his problems with his feet, his physical issues, he wasn't able to work. Well, we started praying and praying that God would touch his feet. And God healed his feet. God healed his feet. Now, now he's got a full-time job working like crazy and, and God has blessed him in an incredible way. Listen, not because of this building, but because an old dusty auto body shop with a bunch of rednecks in there trying to be like Jesus. Somebody say amen. Now, AJ, we're going to be in heaven together because good old Bondo Church. Amen. 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 You love Jesus? Yes, sir. Are you glad of what God's done for you? Yes, sir. Amen. All right. Thank you, AJ. Give him a hand. When he got baptized, we did our best to try to tie a, a, a sack around that thing, not to get it wet, and it didn't work. Amen. He said, I'm getting baptized anyway. Here we go. Just a couple weeks ago, we had a, a Bondo Church baptism in the pond right out front. I'm telling you guys, this is working. I've already got meetings set up with pastors in Virginia. I've got meetings set up with pastors in South Carolina, in Ohio. Uh, we're going to change America. But we're going to change America by changing Americans. Listen, here, here's, here's a, a false Here's a false misconception about people in America. Say, people just don't want God anymore. No, no, that's not the deal. That's not the deal. People's tired of false advertising. People's tired of hearing the church has the answer and they go to church and they get no answer. 
That's the problem. But guess what? Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. You may tell you what changed these men's lives. It wasn't Christians in name only. It wasn't Christians, so-called Christians who are proud that they go to church and tell everybody they go to church and look down on people that don't go to church. No. It was some old rednecks in a building all dusty with a Bible in their hand. Nothing fancy. No fancy choir. Nothing that, that would attract church people. But it sure attracted hurting people. And we're going to start them in, in, in auto body shops. We're going to start them in uh, uh, auto body shops. We're going to start them in barber shops. We're going to start them in beauty parlors. We're going to start them in anywhere, in any place that will allow us to come. Barry's shop, Barry's shop, he works at a different one. His, his, his boss gave us permission to have it there because of the change he saw in Barry. And all God's people say it. Ronnie, Barry's got a race car. Camaro. Um, looks almost identical to yours except it was maroon. He took it to a guy to have the motor, you can appreciate this, took it to a guy to have the motor worked on and built, and he messed it all up. Thousands of dollars, messed it all up. Just, it was, it was, and if you know Barry, you understand. He said, preacher, I wanted to drive my truck through his shop with him in it. (laughs) And I said, but you didn't. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. Listen, if we're leaving it up, if we're leaving it up, to the preacher to do it all, it'll never get done. We got to work together. We got to win together. We got to share together. We got to go together. And all God's people say it. I want you to take your Bibles and look in the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah chapter number one. The book of Nehemiah chapter number one. After the the message, we're going to take up our our project offering uh, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Uh, and, and so far, so far, what we've tried to do this month, uh, all month long, we've shared the condition of our country. We've shared the condition of our nation. We've shared the condition of our churches. And it's all a mess. It's all a mess. Uh, we have shared the plan, how we're going to change it. Uh, we're not just telling you it needs to be changed. We told you how we're going to change it. And we have showed you what we're already doing to change it. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Now, today, I want to take a word and I want to encourage you, okay? I want to encourage you because I know when you look at the situation, when you look at the condition, when you look at our cities, when you look at the condition of the politics in America, when you look at the, the condition of the cities in America and the people in America, it looks hopeless and it looks like nothing can be done. It looks like there's nothing that we can do to change this. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that is not so. That is not so. You can do the impossible. You can do the impossible. Uh, I can do. Okay, y'all don't believe that. Help me. I can do. Say it with me. I can do. Through Christ which strengtheneth me. Somebody say amen. Now listen, here's what I want to show you. We're going to read about an ordinary Joe. 
just an ordinary person. His name is Nehemiah. Say that with me. Nehemiah. Early, early on in my ministry, I would call him the prophet Nehemiah. But do you realize he was not a prophet? He wasn't even a priest. There was, he was really nothing significant in the big scheme of things except that he had a burden to do something. He, he didn't have any royalty. He didn't have anything of that nature. He was a servant. Specifically, he was a cupbearer. Now, what was a cupbearer? A cupbearer was the one that would taste the wine for the king. And you say, well, that would be a great job to have. Not necessarily, because the reason he was tasting it for the king, in case somebody poisoned the wine, he would die before the king. So basically, a cupbearer was a guinea pig. But either way, the king had to really trust his cupbearer. And so here, a servant, a servant, not a priest, not a prophet, not somebody that you would think would have very much influence or sway. We see just an ordinary Job, just an ordinary man, but he did an extraordinary thing. And that's what I want you to see. That's what I want you to see today. Uh, Temple is an incredible place. I mean, it's got such variety and diversity, but we all are just simple people. There's, no, there's really no highfalutin place in here. No highfalutin place would come here with a redneck preacher. They're just not going to do it. When you got a guy that would rather be in the woods with his dog, they're just not going to, and can't talk right at all. That's just not going to happen. We're just simple people. But I want you to understand that with God, all things are possible. With God, an ordinary Joe can do an extraordinary thing. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. This, this thing that we're going to try to accomplish... This thing that we're going to try to see in our country and in our nation, it is a big deal. It is a complicated issue. It is something that seems impossible. And without God, it will be impossible. But we can do it. We, an ordinary group and an ordinary people in an ordinary church, can make a huge difference in this big old nation of ours. But we got to see how he did it. How did an ordinary Joe? Do such an extraordinary thing and accomplish the impossible. I want you to see as we read in chapter number one, Nehemiah chapter one. It says the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, And it came to pass in the month Chislu in the 20th, or 20th year, I was in Shushan, the palace. That Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity, there in the province, are in great affliction and reproach. Say that with me. Are in great affliction means pain, reproach means shame. So they were experiencing great difficulty, pain, and the shame from the destruction that has taken place. The wall of Jerusalem also was broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down in what? And mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He hears the bad news, and it breaks him to the point of mourning and fasting. He gets a burden. Now, I want to read, I want to read chapter number 6. In verse number 15, if you don't have it there, they may have it here. All right, what did we, what did we learn in chapter 1? There was great distress, 
there was great pain, there was great suffering, and great shame. How many of y'all seen that just a while ago? Okay? Now, I want you to see this. In Nehemiah chapter number 6, just five chapters later, in chapter 1 we learned that the walls were destroyed and burnt with fire. Chapter, chapter 6, verse 15, read it with me. So the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month Elul in 52 What is that? That's the impossible. Now, if you go and read, and I pray that you do, it just, just homework, I want you to go and read all that came against him. He had people tell him, you can't do this. It can't be done. This is impossible. Who are you to try to accomplish this feat? It will not happen. They were attacked. They were distracted. Everything in the world came against them, just like it's going to happen to us with Satan, all right? If COVID was in that day, he would have got it. Everything came against him. But in 52 days, now, I know what you're thinking. Well, it's just a wall. No, 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 you don't understand. I've, I've been there. I've been there. I've seen the stones were incredibly massive. Tons, weighing tons. You that went with me in Israel, you've seen them. They didn't have the equipment that we have today. They didn't have big cranes and they didn't have big motors and they didn't have all this stuff. But yet by hand, they rebuilt this wall around the whole city of Jerusalem in 52 days. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying they did the impossible. I'm saying an ordinary Joe who had an ordinary job, who was just a servant, took it upon himself by the power of God to do an incredible feat to accomplish the impossible. And in 52 days, he did what they said couldn't be done. And the reason I'm telling you this is because people are going to tell us we, it can't be done. America, it's, it's over with. America's already lost. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I'm not going to hear that. I'm not going to go with that because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. With God, nothing shall be impossible. No matter what the critics say, no matter what the negative Nelly say, it can be done. And all God's people say it. How did, how did he do it? That's what I want to share with you today. Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll bless your word. I pray in Jesus' name that it will soak into our hearts and soak into our minds. Lord, please, we need your help today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll go to every heart and go to every ear. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. I want you to see number one. What did he do? How did an ordinary Joe, just a servant, accomplished in an extraordinary feat. First, the very first thing he did is he prayed. Write that down. He prayed. Guys, whether you know it or not, there's power in prayer. But I want you to see what's in his prayer. And I got to go quick. I want to go quick with this. I want you to see what's in his prayer. You see in chapter number one, the chapter number one, the very first thing he did, he said in verse 5, and he said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and mine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. Now watch this, watch this. 
which I pray before thee day and night for the children of Israel thy servants and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against thee. But I and my father's house have sinned. Now let me, let me kind of give you a quick, a quick, if you're not familiar with this story. The nation of Israel was destroyed by the Babylonians. The wall was destroyed, the city was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, and the, the nation of Israel went into captivity. For 70 years, they spent in captivity in Babylon. The, the world leader changed, and now it's being led by Persians. All right? Now, God has allowed a crew to go back and start rebuilding. They went back and rebuilt the temple. But, and that's what, that's what Nehemiah was asking about. How are things going? You see, Nehemiah was born and raised in Babylon. He was born and raised in bondage, in captivity. But his heart was still in his homeland. His heart was still for his country. And he said, how is it going? How are our people doing? And his relative said, listen, it's bad. People are discouraged. People have quit working. There is no rebuilding going on. The walls are destroyed and they're burnt with fire. And people are in great anguish and great distress. It is, in other words, he said, it's bad. It's bad. When Nehemiah heard that, it broke his heart. It broke his heart and he got down on his knees and he began to pray. Now, what he prayed was a prayer of repentance You see, it was because of the nation's sin that caused them to go into captivity. God said, if you will do right, I will bless you. But if you do wrong, I will judge you. And they kept rejecting God. And God sent judgment and destroyed the city. Are y'all with me? It was the nation's fault. It was God's people's fault that the nation was in the shape it was in. And this is what he's doing. He's praying to God. And he's acknowledging the fact that it's our fault. It is our fault. We have sinned against you, God. We have sinned and we have not obeyed your will. It is our fault. Do you realize you'll never have the touch of God on your life till you acknowledge your guilt? Do you know what we need to do in America? Christians. Christians need to fall on our face. And say we blame the politicians and we blame the Democrats and we blame, we blame the Republicans and we blame everybody but our own self. And we have not acknowledged that we haven't been disciples. We haven't been following Christ. We haven't been sharing our faith. We haven't been witnessing to the laws. We haven't been praying one for another. We haven't been caring one for another. We haven't reached out to touch our neighbor. Somebody say amen. It's not the drug addict's fault. It's not the alcoholic's fault. It's not the homosexual's fault. It's not the people that you want to lay blame to. It's our fault. The church has not been the church. Yeah, we've gone to church, but we haven't taken the church home with us. Many people are Christians in name only. That's got to change. But first, we have to come to God and say, we acknowledge it. And we're sorry. We're sorry. Until we acknowledge our sin before God, our nation will never change. We must pray a prayer of repentance. Then he prayed a prayer of remembrance. You want to write that down? He said, now, Lord, don't forget. I'm I'm, I'm running out of time, so I'm going to just tell you. You can go back and read it. I promise you it's there. He said, now, Lord, don't forget what you said. 
Because when Solomon was dedicating the first temple, he said, now God, you've poured your blessings on us, but we have a tendency to get ignorant on you. And we have a tendency to stray. Now God, if we do stray, and, and, and you have to judge us, and, and, and you discipline us, if we will repent and turn back to you, will you re- bring us back and bless us again? And you know what? God said, I'll do that. If I have to scatter you across the globe, if you will repent and turn back to me, I will bring you back. And th- this is what Nehemiah is doing. He said, now God, we're sorry. We sinned. We failed. We didn't do right. We rebelled against you. We rejected your law and we rejected your word. But Lord, don't forget. Don't forget. How many of y'all would agree from what you've seen earlier on in the month, from what we showed you about God's hand and his favor on America, how many of y'all know that God's hand was on this nation at one time? God's blessings was on this nation at one time. God's favor was on this nation at one time. And we need to come to this altar and say, God, we're sorry. But God, don't forget the way it was. Don't forget what you said. Don't forget that you said if we confess our sin, you would be faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad God's got a good memory. And I'm glad God will do what he says he would do. It was a prayer of repentance. It was a prayer of remembrance. It was a prayer of request. The very last verse, verse 11, he says, now God, help. He's fixing to go to the king. And he says, God, we need your help. We need your help. How many of y'all would agree with me here in the balcony also that if we're going to change America, we need God's help? We can't do this on our own. It was a prayer of request. He said, please, please help us. So what are we going to do to change America? First thing we're going to do is, Pray. come on, first thing we're going to do is, Pray. come on, first thing he's going to do is, Pray. second thing, he asked. Chapter two, chapter two, he asked, he made a big ask. He said, I need your assistance. He's talking to the king. Now let me lay it out for you real quick. As the cupbearer, you have to be happy in the king's presence. Because if you're a downer, he will just take your head off. Are y'all with me? And so here we are. He's burdened. He's broken because of the shape and the condition of his nation. And he's sad. And so he comes to present to the king. And the king says, man, what's wrong with you? He says, you're not sick. So if you're sad, that's nothing but sorrow of heart. You know, the Bible says it scared him to death. Because he could have been executed right there. And so he told him what happened. He said, King, how could I not be sad? When I look at my nation, when I look at the condition of the people, how could I not be sad? And I tell you this, I want to ask you a question. If you really know Jesus and you really love God and you love your country, how can you turn on the TV and see what's happening and not be sad? And this is what he said. The king says, what do you want? What do you want? I would have said not to die. (laughs) Y'all with me? I mean, I wouldn't have really asked for that much. I would have just said, don't don't kill me. I mean, I'm good. That's all I need. But that's not what he did. He said, well, would you care if I got... Now, this is a servant in captivity... Do you care if I go, can I have your permission to go back and rebuild it? 
A servant. An ordinary servant or Joe. Just an ordinary Joe. Will you give me permission to go back and build it? And, 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 and king and, and sir, will you give me protection? Will you give me protection? Letters to say that I'm, I have your permission and I have your protection. Because there was other people who didn't want him to do that. What is he doing? Now, that, that's not the end. He said, not only do I need your permission, but if you really don't care, I can sure use your protection. And, and by the way, by the way, would you mind sending a letter to the king's forest, the men of the king's forest, and tell them to give me some lumber to get it done? Are you serious? A servant is asking the king, will you give me what it takes to get the job done? Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. He wasn't afraid to make a big what? Ask. He asked big. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. He's a bad dude. I've never been able to have that kind of courage. I've never, I, I, I just, I, I mean, I, I've told you this over and over. You can ask my sister. If, 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 if my sister didn't ask for lunch money, I didn't get none because I wasn't going to ask. She would ask for the credit card, the, you know, no. I, I, got, I can't be mean to her because she kept me fed, so I can't say nothing. But I'm, I'm just not that good with that. I just, I can't. I, I don't know what it is. I just, but guys, I'm going to have to change that. Because what I'm wanting to see happen in our country, I'm going to have to ask you, I need your help. I'm going to have to ask for a big ask. I'm going to ask you to give today like you've never given before. And I'm asking some of you to get involved in DMD right here and be willing to commit to learning and being trained and going out and help this movement go forward. I know I'm asking for a lot. I know I'm asking for a lot of commitment. I know I'm asking for a lot of sacrifice. But guys, I want to see the impossible made possible. Preacher, what did he do? He prayed. Say it with me. He Number two, he, he asked. Number three, number three, I want you to see this real, quick, real quickly, real quickly. He gets to Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, the king said yes to all three. Say amen. And by the way, the Bible says that God's hand was on him, so God influenced the king to make it happen. Now watch this. He gets to Jerusalem. He does a survey. He goes around the, the walls and sees all the damage. And he sees all that was tore up and everything that needs to be done. And now he gathers the people together. He gathers the people together. Look what happens. Verse 17 of chapter 2. Then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we are in. You, you see what word he uses there? He didn't say the distress you were in. He says, you see the distress that we are in. Very important. He says that Jerusalem lieth waste and the gates thereof are burned with fire. How many of y'all have turned on the news and seen cities on fire? Yeah. 
He said, thereof they are burned with fire. Come and let us build. You see that word again? Let us. Let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Reproach means shame. Shame. To many countries around the world, America is a shame right now. What they are seeing, what they are perceiving. But look what it says. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. In other words, he, saw, he told them of what all God had done for them. He says this, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Somebody say amen. amen. Three things real quick. First, he shared the battle. He shared the battle. Do you see the distress we are in? In other words, he shared what was going on. He see, you see it? You see the cities burned. You see the problems that we have. You see the issues. You see the shame that we're in. Are you tired of seeing this? Are you tired of the shame? Are you tired of the reproach? He shared the fight. He shared the battle. Now for three weeks, we've been sharing the battle with you. We've been showing you what's going on. We've been showing you what's happening. We've been showing you the attacks on our country. Do you see it? Let me ask you a question. Do you see it? Listen, we shared the battle. Then the second thing, he shared the blessing. He shared the blessing. He said, let me tell you how good God has been. Let me tell you the letters that I got. Let me tell you what God has already provided. Do you know what we just showed you just a while ago? We showed you the blessing. We showed you the people that's already getting saved. We showed you the people's lives who are already changing for the good. We, AJ, AJ had never been in this building whatsoever. AJ was in a difficult situation with a burden on his feet. And now his life is completely changed for the better. I'm telling you, God is in this. He shared the blessings. Then lastly, this is important. This is important. He shared the burden he said let us rise up and build say it with me let if you go through this you'll see that he wasn't telling them what to do he was doing it with them he wasn't telling them what to do He was leading them in doing it. He wasn't asking them to do something he wasn't willing to get dirty to do. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when some of y'all are taking your naps this afternoon, I'm going to be in one of those microchurches trying my best to be a disciple that makes disciples. This week when you're in the recliner, I'm going to be in another one doing my best To be a disciple that makes disciples. I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not already doing. When we give in our offering, I'm going to sacrificially give the best I can. I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not already doing. Listen, please, share the burden. Share the burden. Nobody can do this alone. But we can all do it if we do it together. And all God's people say it. Lastly, number four. He reminded them of why they're doing it. He reminded them of why they're doing it. You see, the enemy came and said, we're going to attack you. We're going to kill you. 
And you know what they did? Make a long story short, they put a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. They put a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. They put a shovel in one hand and a spear in the other. And they watched while they worked. Now watch what Nehemiah tells the people. Watch what he tells them. In Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 13. He says, therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall and are on the higher places. I even set the people after their, after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which was great and terrible, and fight for your and your, and your, and your, and your, fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Why are we doing this? Because the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, and he roameth about seeking whom he may devour. The devil is trying to destroy this nation. The devil is trying to destroy communities. He's trying to destroy churches. He's trying to destroy families. He's trying to destroy your children and your grandchildren and your wives and your brothers and your husbands and your grandparents. And I'm asking you today, and I'm reminding you today, of why we're doing what we're doing. We're doing it for the sake of our families. We're doing it for the sake of our children. We're doing it for the sake of our grandchildren. This is not an issue that we can ignore or avoid. We have to stand up and fight back. Fight back. Listen, it is so important, not just for the sake of our nation, but for the sake of our families. I'm asking you to share the burden. We all can't give equally, but we can sacrifice equally. Amen? Amen. One last thing. One last thing. When you read these chapters, you will see that they begin to build. They started with a gate, and it said, such and such started here, and next unto them, and next unto him. And next unto them. You'll see that phrase 31 times. In other words, everybody chose a piece and did their part. Next unto them. So-and-so's family was working. Next unto them. So-and-so's family was working. Next unto them. So-and-so's family was working. Chapter 3. Go read it. And then something stands out. Something in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all the next unto thems, in the middle of all of that unity, in that working together, there's a verse that stands out like a sore thumb. Listen, in Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 5, it says, next unto them the Tekoites repaired. Read it with me. Do you have that? Do you have that one? That's not there. Well, let me read it. It's in your notes if you want to look. But their nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. In all of that unity, in all of that working together, there was a group of people said, I'm not going to help. I'm not going to help. 
Now, the reason that they did that is not given. Maybe they felt like they didn't need to. Maybe everybody, they felt like everybody else was doing enough that they didn't have to. Maybe they felt like they could stay neutral. I want to read to you John Stuart Mill. In 1867, the British philosopher and political theorist John Stuart Mill delivered an inaugural address at the University of St. Andrews. And this is what he said, and please get this. Let not anyone, let not anyone pacify his conscience by the delusion that he can do no harm if he takes no part and forms no opinion. Let me read that again. Let not anyone pacify his conscience by the delusion that he can do no harm if he takes no part and forms no opinion. Bad men need nothing more to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. Well, I'm just not going to vote. Well, I'm just not going to do anything. The only thing, the only thing evil men will need to succeed is for good people to do Let that not be Temple Baptist Church. 